You're listening to Milwaukee Mafia, your podcast dose of Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. I'm Eric Walterkins. I'm Gavin Schmidt. And we're back with another Berto episode with the Latin Kings. And Gavin, why don't you take her away? Yeah, so hopefully you tuned in last time. Uh, if not, you know, I shame on you. But uh, we have our special guest back for part two of our special series. Uh, we got uh, Berto Vallejo, who was a member of the Latin Kings in Milwaukee and uh, rose to the leadership. And uh, this time we're going to get into a little more detail about his actual getting into the organization. Last time we just covered the generals, you know, for for completely brand new people. This time we're actually going to get into some firsthand stories. Uh, so uh, good evening, Berta. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, fellas? Very good. All right. So let's just start off with, with the question. Like when you are uh, in the neighborhood, how does this work? Do you try to actively join up? Do they sort of actively scout around looking for people to join? Which Which direction does it go or is it both ways? Okay, so um, I think typically, man, it's typically it's it's an organic happening, right? Like it's not uh, it's not like you send out five guys and you go you go hunt for kids to to recruit. I mean, it's a lot of times it's who you know and how you're brought around. So um, in my in my case, um, I was brought around by one of my friends. His name was Ernest. Um, not to the neighborhood, but to by his house. I ended up meeting. Uh, Latin King that was actually involved with his sister. So I met him. His name was Metal. And I think when it comes to meeting a lot of kids, it just comes to kind of observing, right? Like you observe how they carry themselves uh, because the Latin Kings are a very serious organization. They're a very, you know, no nonsense kind of guy uh, when it comes to the, the criminal activity they involve. And so you don't want to get a loudmouth kid or, you know, somebody like that who doesn't really doesn't really fit. So I believe that's true across the board, man. A lot of times um, it just ends up being a situation where you see a kid that maybe hangs around with somebody who is connected and you say, hey, man, start bringing them around a little bit. And the more they come around, I guess the more they're exposed to, you kind of, you gauge the reaction to certain things. And then, and that, that person will tell you if that's the kind of lifestyle that they want to live. So it's, okay. it's, it's really an organic happening. All right. So, that's, and that kind of surprises me the, the, that you got brought in through a friend because you actually had family members who were already in, I believe. Right. Correct. So, so, so uh, I, so I would have thought it was through them, but, but apparently not. Yeah. No. So they were, they were a little before my time. Uh, my, my older cousin was, uh, he was Chicago, uh, the chapter I mentioned in the, in the last episode. And, um, so he ended up actually, believe it or not, he ended up cooperating. So, my standing with the Latin Kings right out the gate was not good. Um, I had to prove myself over and beyond probably what some typically would because, you know, I had a snitch in my family. Mm. Um, I, my older brother was, he was affiliated with the Latin Kings as well. He was, he was, he was around subchapter that, remember, I, I think I explained how, um, Chicago was formed. It was basically all the small subchapters brought together to be one and then they got indicted. Well, my older brother was a part of one of the subchapters before Chicago, and then he actually got, he committed a murder and went to prison. So before that 
Chicago happening, he was he was already gone. Um, okay. So long story short, no, I didn't get introduced the, but by my family. You know, I seen it, but uh, I was too young. And then you know, I grew up in uh, uh, you know kind of a dysfunctional household, man. And my, but my father was a man of a lot of morals, and um, he hated gangs. So I was basically a rebel and a renegade. It, it it happened differently for me. Okay. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um so then how do you go from just being like, you know, somebody sees you to then actually becoming a future? And and for people who don't know, a future is basically like a, a prospect, somebody who isn't a member yet but is is potentially a member. How do you reach that step? Um so it's a that's a that's a complex question, but um so like I said, man, it, basically how you're viewed um, by the members when you meet them is going to go a long way. Uh, first impression is is key. And then I think throughout the process of you being around them, um, obviously they have internal discussions and they decide, listen, is this guy somebody that we can bring in and trust? Is this guy worth bringing in and trust? And then when they decide that, you know, Sometimes the question is posed from them, and sometimes the question is posed from the future. You know, the future Latin King might say, hey, man, listen, I love this. I want to be down with you guys. Can I be a future over here in this subchapter? And then that decision is made. So that's why I say it's, it's complex in the sense that there's no real formality about it. You know, it's not like a... Uh, you know, it's not like an application or nothing like that. You know, sure, it's, sure. It's, but but like, so, but we're talking specifically your story this time. So, okay. um, you were you were originally a future with the Wild Walkers, yes? Correct, correct, correct. So okay, yeah, so so, when, so like, so, how did how did you know you were a future? What what was that moment? Okay, so um, I had I had went a couple times with Meadows the Wild Walker, me and Ernest, Meadows' little brother, Geeky was actually I guess he was like a liaison, right? He was he was closer to our age. Um and he kinda just was like, you know, he he uh he posed the question to me, man, what do you you know, what do you think? Do you think you you know, you wanna be down, you wanna be you wanna be Walker, you wanna be with us? And uh for me, you know, there wasn't a lot of hesitation because I like I like the camaraderie. I like the idea of being around guys and having, you know, having each other's back and, and, and really, I liked the, the idea, the concept. And, and then obviously growing up, I heard about the Latin Kings and, you know, knowing that the prestige that came along with it. And then in my eyes, the recognition and, and, you know, all the, all of the above. And so, yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I made that transition and made that move. And then from there, now as a future, you have to do what it takes to show that you're worthy of that acceptance, you know, and mm. that includes, you know, your whole security in the neighborhood, you know, you know, you got a gun on you, you make sure nothing happens in the neighborhood. Um, you never hesitate when it comes to other members, if something happens with other members. Um, and, and you're really just, you're around, you know, you know, I, I can draw a parallel uh, with the mafia, you know, like they say, what they, you, you come around and then, and then when the books open up, you might get made. Right. So that's kind of mm. how, that's kind of how um, how it goes, you know. When the decision, when it's time to make that decision, um, it'll be made. But there's a process that you have to you have to go through as far as earning and showing, and and never ever um, really never hesitating when it comes to your dedication to them. Sure. How long were you a prospect 
Okay, so uh, I touched I touched on this with Gavin. Um, my situation was unique, man. I was actually a uh, I was a future Latin king with the Wild Walkers. I mean, it had to be at least at least for six months. Um, I had some things happen in in my relationship with them, and then my own personal just my life. I ran away from home, and uh, when I ran away from home, I didn't really have nowhere to stay. I kind of stayed by Ernest's house, and that's how I was still involved with the with the Wild Walkers. But Ernest's family eventually got evicted and I had to find another place to live. So I ended up uh I ended up linking up and, and, and moving in with somebody I knew. He was from nineteenth Street. He was a nineteenth Lincoln. I knew him as a kid. Like we, we all played, you know, we were in the same football leagues and baseball leagues and you know, Milwaukee the South Side is the biggest, smallest place in the world, man. So you, you a lot of times you know guys. And um so I knew him and he was from nineteenth Street and he's like, Listen man, you come stay with me and you know, I knew his mom. His mom was like always like one of the coaches on the baseball teams. And so anyways, I ended up staying over there by his house. You know, there were always 19th Street Latin Kings over there. I won't get too detailed on that. You know, I'll save some of that. But uh, ultimately, the best decision for me was to to become a, a 19th Street Latin King because that's who I was around every day, day in, day out at that time. I started living there and I actually ran into a situation where I was soured on the Wild Walkers. A couple events had happened and, and, and I didn't feel the love from them anymore. So I made the decision to transition and become a 1-9 future. And I wasn't a future for 1-9 too long because during that decision-making process, uh, I, I became really good friends with, the guy I moved in, his name was Chico. And his older brother's name was Pelone. And I became really good friends with Pelone. And he was the enforcer at 19th Street. And he told me that if I transitioned and I came to 19th Street, he would make me a Latin King, you know, fairly soon. Because I explained to him, listen, man, I've been a, a future over here on Wild Walker for nine months now, you know, six to nine months. I don't want to have to start that process over. He's like, no, listen, everybody knows about you. Everybody knows you. Everybody likes you. You know, you'll be good. And, and so that's how I ended up becoming 19th Street. Um, I, I'll leave it up to Gavin if he wants me to get into more detail on, on, on exactly how that happened. But, well, but um, I don't know. If we need to. I don't know. If we need to get into a lot of detail, but I. But I think. Uh, I, I. I think people are going to wonder. Did they have to clear it with with the Walkers? I mean, I know you're all kings, so you're all you know equal more or less. But after you've already been tapped by one group, does it, does 19th Street have to clear that? Right. Right. So. Okay. So. That's a good question. That's a really good question, actually. And there's there's a gray area, you know, it, it, and it gets muddy, right? Um, I guess the 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 best way to kind of explain it shortly is I wasn't a one. I wasn't I wasn't a, a made member of the Wild Walkers yet. I was actually I was still a future, so I was still mm -hmm. kind of free game, right? I was like a free agent. Um, yeah, I, I went in and had a couple meetings. You know, basically, if you look at it in the football terms. If I'm a free agent on the market and I went and had a couple of meetings with a team, I didn't necessarily sign to him yet because I was never a made member. So that being said, I was able to go and sign with one nine. Um, okay. Now, is there is there sour feelings involved behind that? Sure, there was. And I was treated a little differently at first. But at the end of the day, like you said, I became a Latin king. So their crown was as big as mine. Now, I like to use that saying. I used to tell guys that all the time. Listen. I got the same size crown as you, man. You know, I didn't believe in, you know, treating a bunch of guys different if we were all Latin kings. Uh, so, so yeah, there, there was definitely, but now had I been Wild Walker and tried to transfer to one nine, now that, that it, it's been done, but that 
you know, creates a little more tension, a little more animosity. Sure. And I have a, I have a story about some a situation similar to that a couple of maybe in the future I'll touch on. <laughs> sure. So okay. You're you're a future now with uh with nineteenth street with one nine, you know, however you want to say that. And you become a made member. What what did you have to do to prove yourself? I mean, is it is you have to earn a certain amount of money, just get enough respect in the neighborhood? What's is there like a deciding factor there? Okay, so you know, as a future, right? This is this is the this is the I guess this is a polar opposite to the drawn parallels to, to, to the mafia is that mm-hmm. money isn't money isn't a primary issue, right? Like money doesn't it doesn't make you any more or less a Latin king. So uh, money is really more about convenience. The the main thing that people that brothers, right, that the brotherhood is about is simply that is is the brotherhood, the loyalty. And, and, and really just your ability to show you would do anything for the man standing next to you. You know, you take the shirt off your back for somebody. If you got one dollar, you split it in half. You know, um, that, that was it about. That's what it was about. You know, if we got into a fight, I'm the first one to swing because I don't want nothing to happen to you. If, you know, those are the things that, that you show over time. You know, if, if there's a, if there's an issue and, and I got the gun, I'm the first to shoot. I'm making sure that you're protected. Those are the things that go the farthest when it comes to proving yourself. Because I, I mentioned to you this uh, before, Gavin, uh, when I became a Latin King, right? You know, and when I, when I received my violation, it, it was two, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was two prongs, so to speak, right? So the first part of it, yeah, I took a violation, but I still had six months of probation after that until I caught another violation and I was considered a full member. Um, mm. so you have that time frame where they're still filling you out and they could technically still vote you out of the equation, but nine times out of 10, if you made it that far, you know, you're in good standing. So you said that they could vote you out of that equation. So is that kind of how they decide when one of these futures becomes a member is that everybody just votes essentially? That's the fair way to do it. Right. And, um, it, you know, one thing you'll learn as, as we, as we conversate is that there's, the way you're supposed to do it. And then there's a way that a lot of people do it, which is depending on who's the Inca, depending on how they feel that day. Sometimes it's not always about following the way it should go. It's more about convenience. It's about favoritism. It's about, it's about a lot of different things. Fortunately for me, when I did come in, that's the way they did it. I think maybe because I wasn't one nine future for a long time, it was, it was more, it was the more appropriate way to approach it. Because, you know, I hadn't been around a lot of the guys for a long period of time. I knew a lot of them. They knew a lot about me because I had, you know, uh, uh, you know, I had a reputation already of somebody that, you know, I, I earned some respect. So, yeah, I stood in a circle and they went around and said, you know, who thinks this guy should be one nine? And then you either throw up your crown or you don't. You know, fortunately for me, everybody threw up the crown. Unfortunately for me now. But at the time, fortunately for me, they threw up the crown and, and I became made that day. Hmm. I'm curious. Can you talk a little bit about, just think back to that day when that happened. How did that make you feel? Like, were you excited? Were you, um, I don't yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. relieved? It's, it's, uh, no, it's, it's definitely a, uh, it's a, it's a different kind of feeling. And that day, I remember, I, you know, cause like I said, I lived by Chico. Um, it just so happened that day, the, the, the meeting or the demo was, as it's called, or, you know, Junto, you know, it's, it's a bunch of different, got a bunch of different names, you know, code names, right? 
but uh you know it happened to be by chico's house in the basement now unbeknownst to me i didn't know it was going to happen right because i'm not a member i shouldn't know so i was just upstairs the, the the meeting was happening in the basement there was a little bit of irony going on at this time i was actually dating champ's little cousin her name is adrian and uh so when i'm sitting there chico came upstairs and he said hey hey champ wants to talk to you and you know so in my mind I thought it was maybe about that, right? I'm like, oh man, you know, like, what's going on? like this is a top dog, right? And he's calling me to talk to you. So I says, all right, man. So you know, when I got when I got to the uh, the stairwell to go downstairs, you know, obviously there's like there's like two landings, right? The first landing. So I got to the first landing of steps, and there's two guys there, big dudes, Golden Bear, they're brothers, right? And uh, they go, hey, they go, all right, brother, um, strip down to your boxes and your muscle shirt. I kind of looked at them and I, and I laughed. I like, what are you talking about? Like, no, we're serious. Shipped on your box of mustard. So listen, I can tell by their demeanor, they're not joking, right? Because I know these guys. Now, by this time, I know them, right? I, I've been around them. So I said, all right, no problem. So I stripped down on my boxers and my and my muscle shirt. And then uh, they still pat me down. Obviously, that's to make sure I'm not wearing a wire. And, uh, you know, I walk down. It's like a little, it's, it, 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 you know, listen, <laughs> looking back, like, at the time, obviously, you know, there's a lot of things I'm ashamed of about the lifestyle I live. But, you know, I can remember, man, it's, it was a nostalgic scene. You know, like, I'm walking towards the main part of the basement and there's like a little hallway to get there and i can see down the edge of the hallway man and everybody is there right they're all standing in a circle and it gives you goosebumps right and uh you know i don't know if i messed up or what you know like i'm i just got stripped basically naked and i'm walking into a group full of guys that all got stone face you know they, their face their faces are stone you know nobody's laughing nobody's smiling that's because it's business time right and uh and uh, there was there was a spot for me, you know. I was another link. They they had a little opening for me, and I stepped there. Uh, you know, uh, Jay was the Inca. Champ actually wasn't there, so uh, but Jay was the Inca at the time, um, and uh, Crow was the Kasinka, and Salon was there. And and I remember I could look around. I could I could still close my eyes and look around and see all the guys standing there. And uh, and Jay just kind of looked at me. He said, "He said, are you ready?" And I said, "Well, ready for what, brother?" And he goes, "Are you ready to be a Latin king?" And I said, with all my heart. And he goes, all right. He said, you know, explain to me today, uh, you're going to catch your violation. You're going to catch a minute and a half. You'll be able to throw up the crown, but you will still be on probation. But before we do that, we're going to vote and see if everybody agrees with that move. And uh, he said, who here thinks that Berto should become 1-9? And everybody threw up the crown for me. And uh, it was a good feeling. Man. I looked around, I smiled, I smiled at everybody, you know. And they said, all right, what is how it goes, man? You're going to step in the middle. <clears throat> I'm going to put three people on you. And uh, we're going to start the timer. If you fall, we stop the clock. We get you back up and we continue. If those three get tired, we pull them out and we put three more in. And, wow. and that's how it goes. And it goes until your time is up. So I'm, I'm probably about 127 pounds soaking wet, you know, at this time I'm 13. Uh, and there were some bigger guys in there. Uh, yeah, I remember the first three that they put on me was uh, it was uh, Chico, Goat, and Bear, right? And Goat and Bear, like I said, I mean, these, these are two monsters. They're two, you know, big dudes, especially for me at this time. And Chico, there was a purpose behind that because Chico was like my best friend. You know, he's one of my best friends. And uh, there's a purpose behind that, man. You know, uh, it's to show that there's no favoritism. And uh, if he were to not hit me, you know, like he would hit a flake, you know, he, you know, a flake is any rival to the Latin King. If he were to not hit me like that, then then they would put him in the circle next. So, so there's no favoritism. And, and, you know, the symbolism behind the violation is basically, you know, you can look around the room and know that everybody took that to be there, you know, uh, sort of it united, it united us 
um, as much as it tore us apart and united us. And it also, you also were able to see that you were supposed to be able to see that there was no favoritism. So, uh, yeah, I remember those three. I mean, uh, you know, if you're curious, I didn't fall at first. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I was holding up, right? So, so basically during the violation, um, they can hit you everywhere except for your, except for your private parts and, and, and in your face, right? So I was doing pretty well, man. I mean, with these guys on me, right? And then they got tired. I felt them get tired. The punches slowed down, you know, and then, and then I heard Jay say switch. So, so then you got a fresh fist coming in. And, and I swear this dude, Poncho, man, uh, I don't know what he did. He like leaped from one side of the room and like Superman punched me right in my like sternum, man. Like, right, right. I mean, I'm talking about caught me swear. And I, and I fell from that one. Uh, and, but I got back up. That was the only time I fell. Wow. Uh, I, I think Weddle punched me in, in my, like, uh, like by my funny bone and my hand went numb. Uh, but, you know, there was no better feeling than when, when he was like, he was like, stop, you know, and, and I looked up, and, you know, and everybody's smiling now, you know, all the stone faces are gone. And, uh, yeah. and now, and, and now, yeah, Eric, and now, I don't think that's where you thought that question was going to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and did you, I, maybe I missed this. Did you say how long was the timer for? So the, the, the timer was for a minute and a half. Okay. It was, it was a minute and a half. Was Do it the longest for a minute, and minute and a half of your life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what's funny is that, yeah, it was. And then when I caught the, the second minute and a half, uh, it wasn't quite as long. You, you, you build up a tolerance for, um, well, unfortunately for me, I, I caught a lot of violations uh, in my career <laughs> early on. And then you kind of build up a tolerance for it. And then when you get them in enough street fights and, and uh, they kind of, they kind of all feel the same. Yeah. That's, yeah, Eric asked the question, expecting the story about how how excited and powerful you felt. And instead, he gets a story about big twenty year old dudes beating up a thirteen year old boy. So probably didn't yeah. expect it to go that way there. Yeah. But power came afterwards. You know, like I said, right. once you once you can raise your head and know that you did it, right? Like you did it. Yeah, you know. Now I'm looking around and I know that I'm equal. You know, like none of these guys are above me. None of these right. guys. I mean, with the exception, obviously, with the hierarchy and, you know, that, you know, that portion of it. But I'm saying as far as beca- being a land. And, uh, and, and I assuming, I, was, I assume after it happened, it was all hugs and, and yeah, congratulations that's, and, that's, and right. stuff. That's I, yeah, that's what I was about to say. And then, and then I can, I can shake, I can throw up the crown. You know, now, you know, I don't have to be a future, um, uh, I don't have to do a future handshake. I can do a Latin King handshake. And, and that's what it is. It's hugs and <clears throat> you throw up the crown and you put it to your heart. And, uh, and that symbolizes when you put it to your heart, that means I'll die for you. Um, so, so I wasn't able to do that before, right? So now you do that, you put the crown to your heart and, uh, it changes how you look at people, right? And, uh, and I think it changes how they look at you. Okay. So during this time, is this like a 24 seven thing or are you also working a job or going to school or is just, is this just the life now? Okay, so um, in the beginning, uh, you know, when I started living by Chico, one of the, you know, one of the demands that that uh, that Nancy had of me, which is Chico's mom, I called her mom. Everybody called her mom, sweetest lady. But one of the one of the demands was that I fin- I still went to school. So um, it, unfortunately for me, the school that I went to was right in LF Hood, literally in the in the middle of LF Hood. Um, so you know, there was, I had to carry a gun to school. You know, uh, and that got to a point where it got dangerous because, yeah, yeah, I can have a gun, but guess what? Other people got guns too, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, and I was in the lifestyle deep enough to where I was shooting at people now, you know, I was starting to get recognized, you know, people know my name, 
you know, obviously my brother, he became a Latin king too. You know, we, we looked a lot alike. So his enemies became my enemies and vice versa. And so it got dangerous for me to go to school. So, I mean, at the time, early on, when I was 13, I was still in the baseball league. I was still going to, to baseball games, playing baseball. I was still going to school, but eventually that stopped. And, uh, and, and also because uh, I stopped going to school because I ended up, <clears throat> I ended up catching a, a, a petty case. I was driving a stolen vehicle and I got pulled over. I got caught and I know I skipped, you know, skipped court dates and, and I ended up being on the run. So that started my in and out of juvie at a very young age, you know, so I couldn't go to school because I knew they would come get me there. And, uh, you know, that kind of tied into, it tied into a lot of the violations I caught. Okay. So I just want to clarify, go back a second here. Now, uh, you said the school was in, was in the LF hood. Now I, I take that to mean that was La Familia territory. Correct. Correct. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm understanding what you're saying. Okay. Correct. All right. So, okay. So you can't go to school because it's, it's a, it's a dangerous place. Uh, now, now you're on the run because you got caught with a stolen car. Okay. Yeah, we're definitely, we're definitely getting somewhere here. Um, yeah. So now I, when we talked in the past, I know you said it was basically a constant occurrence of, of there being drive-bys and you'd have to hang out like in the, in the gangways or the alleyways and things like that. Like truthfully, like how common is this that someone's there's going to be a shooting, like not necessarily that somebody gets shot, but just that, you know, guns are going off. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's, there's, there's enough trouble to find, right? When, when you're, when you're, a, when you're a future or you're, you become a king, right? And you're, you're proving yourself. We touched, uh, we touched that last episode on when I got shot, right? So mm-hmm. um, when I got shot, like I said, it taught me a lot of lessons. Um, and, and it taught me, you know, first of all, like I said, man, to keep your head on a swivel. And, you know, I, you know, a lot of people, they can tend to get shot. They, they get shot and they tend to wear that as a badge of honor. Right. They survive. For me, it was more of a sign of embarrassment because I felt like I was, you know, I got I got caught. I got caught off guard. And that's not how I wanted to be perceived as. Um, so that was one. And also, two, early on in that, you know, if I would have shared that story, I actually gave the guy that was with me, Wolfie, I gave him the gun to hold um, because I knew I was going to be, you know, I was it was early on in my relationship with Adrian. I knew I was going to be, you know, hugged up on the porch with her. You know, I can't really be focused on what I should be if I got the gun on me. So mm-hmm. I entrusted, I entrusted that responsibility to him. And that was one of the biggest mistakes I made because not only did we get shot at, but he never shot back. So to me, you know, from that point on, I was really, really, I was really, really conscientious of who I trusted to give a gun to. If I had it, I kept it. And, and I, and, and so as far as the, the commonality of shooting, I mean, listen, man, we walked everywhere. Uh, we didn't have cars, you know, we were, so we walked everywhere and we walked through any hood and we never had, we, we, we never cared. So, you know, all it would take is for us to see a rival and we're shooting at, you know, we're not asking questions. Sometimes we throw gang signs, but it got to a point when, when, when we were really, really, you know, in the weed, so to speak, you know, and I say we, because there was, there was other members that, that were, that were like me. Um, not a lot, but they were. Um, but we were in the weeds, so to speak. We couldn't even really get people to gangbang on us, you know, because they were scared because they knew these guys are going to shoot. And, mm-hmm. and we got to a point where we would literally, uh, it's called false flagging. So we would represent another gang just to see if they would throw it up to us and then we would shoot at them. So there was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of gamesmanship that came along with it 
you know, when, when, when they came to war, nice guys finished last. So that's kind of, that's kind of how the shooting atmosphere went, man. I'm telling you, you could find it every day, any day if you wanted it. And a lot of times it just, it just so happened we had to travel from one place to another. And you're going to see people in between that. Okay. So you, let me make sure I understood this. You said that you would do false flag, maybe not you, but people would do false flag, that you would actually get your own guys to shoot at you? No, 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 no. Uh, so false flagging is like, if I see, you know, let's say I see some La Familias, we just talked about them, right? Let's say I see mm-hmm. some La Familias, right? I might throw up La Familias just to see if that's what they are, right? If I throw okay. up La Familias oh. and they throw it back at me, right, then I know they're La Familia and I can shoot at them. It got okay, to a gotcha. point where it got yeah it got to a point where if I see not familiar and I threw up the crown they deny that they were not familiar. You see what I'm saying? So, right, I got gotcha. you. But but them with them same guys if they see you on different terms they're going to shoot at you. So so you have to be you have to be the one to react first, right? Like if I let you go and I know who knows two days down the line you might see me with your guys and now you're shooting at me the shoes on the other foot. So you know that that's what I meant. You know. Okay. Oh, that that makes more sense. I just. What the way that 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 reached my ears, I was like, "You're just trying to get things started," but but I got you. I see what you're doing. I, yeah. I have a question about getting shot. Too. Oh, okay. so at any point, like, so I'm envisioning you get shot. You're sitting in the hospital or or whatever. Did you ever start at, at that moment? Like you said that you felt embarrassed because you had let your guard down. But yeah. at any point in time, did you like question the choices you had made? Well, I like, think at that point. You know, um, at that point, I kind of, I kind of entrenched myself into the lifestyle. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, there was, there was no time for recollection, you know, like, you know, to, to recollect my thoughts about the choice. It's for me, it was, okay, the lesson I learned was more so, okay, this is real. Like, this is, this is, this is wartime. I have to be the initiator. I have to be the one instead of being the guy who got shot. I have to be on the other side of it. So it, it wasn't, it, it was more of a propeller than it was a detractor. Now, that, that, that is necessarily true for everybody else. You know, I know guys who serious things happen around them and they stop banging. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it numerous times. Um, it changes people. So I understand what you're saying. But for me, that wasn't a, uh, that wasn't a deterrent. All right. I got kind of a, I don't know if you know the answer to this question or not, but uh, so everybody's carrying guns or at least a lot of people are carrying guns at any given time. Where are they coming from? Because I'm guessing that most of these are not like you walked into a sporting goods store and bought a gun. I'm guessing they came from right. questionable places. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. So, and that's a, that's a, you know, that's a crapshoot, right? They come from everywhere. The short answer is they come from everywhere. So they could be from, they could be from legitimate places and the serial number gets scratched off. Or they could be guns that we buy from Chicago. You know, hey, you know, the guys need guns. We buy them from down here. Um, we could buy them from different parts of Wisconsin. Obviously, some some parts of Wisconsin are more known for shooting. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so you know, it's it's there's a number of different places um, that we could get them from. Now, at that time, obviously, I was only 13, so you know, I didn't have connections like that. I was just I was entrenched in in the, the, the lower level gang activity. Um, and it was the responsibility of the leadership and the guys up top to make sure that we had the gun to, to, to be in the street with. And, and they did a good job of that. Um, so I, I can't say exactly where a lot of them came from, but I know okay. as, as I got, as I grew and I got 
you know, went to the ranks, you know, it was just, it was just happening, right? Like it was just, hey, you know, I know this guy's got a gun. You want to buy it? Okay, yeah. How much does he want? You know, that's simple. Okay, yeah. See, I'm just kind of curious because the way the way we've been talking up to this point, it's a very small insular community, and I'm just, you know, I'm guessing you have to get a lot of things from outside of that community, whether it be yeah. guns or drugs or whatever it is. And so I was right. kind of curious where all these, you know, where the links are. Right. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, like obviously the guns are a little more challenging, but like bullets, I mean, yeah, now bullets, you just get, you know, somebody in the family, you know, somebody in somebody's family to go to any, any gun store and buy bullets. That's not right. a big issue because you don't have to, you know, you don't have to put your name down for nothing. And, you know, you just go in there and get nine shells and there's not an issue. Okay. So going back again, you were talking about how you got uh, caught with a stolen car. Were you, uh, was that just like a joyride or were you actually like involved with some sort of a chop shop or? No, yeah. See, at that time I was still, and that's when I was still Wild Walker. Um, it was basically, I didn't even steal the, 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 the the damn van. It was a, it was a, (laughs) it was a car. This is what pissed me off, right? Like it was a car. Um, it was actually, I actually got and, uh, got it from somebody. I went to an alternative school, the one alternative school I went to when I left with. Uh, obviously, you know where alternative school is. Everybody there is a troublemaker. Right? Mm-hmm. So one sure. of the guys there had the van and he's like, yo, you know, you want to take it? Like you can take it. And, you know, like some of the guys at school outside of the King, the Kings I used to hang out with, I used to hang out with, you know, non-members. You know, I have no problem with, yeah, it wasn't like, cause I was a Latin King. I couldn't hang out with nobody else. So, or, or a future, I couldn't hang out with nobody else. So I hung out with other guys, non-members. Yeah. So we would like smoke weed and, you know, we were just using the van to smoke weed and we would transfer you know, like bring people to parties and stuff like that. And, and we ended up keeping it. That was the mistake we made. And we were driving like it was ours. You know what I mean? And I'm, you know, I'm 13. I'm, you know, I'm parking at places, going and getting it like, I, you know, like I got the title. And, uh, it just so happened one day, uh, you know, what is this where I sound even stupider, but part of the front end was smashed in. So, I mean, when we're driving, cops seen it, pulled up behind us, ran the place. Obviously, we seen it was a stolen car and we got pulled over. So. You know, that's kind of how that went. Okay. It, was, it was just a, it was just a, you know, once off. Okay. So it wasn't even like you stole a car. You just, you just happened to be using one for a while. <laughs> exactly. 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 I, I, I didn't even know how to steal a car. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't know, I don't know how to hotwire a car. You know what I'm saying? But sure. uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so you're, you've been, uh, you've become a made member of, of the Kings. You're 19th Street. Um, kind of like what, what is your role? As before you're in any of like the hierarchy, when you're just a day to day member, what what is your role? What do you do for them? So the the okay, so the short answer is that it, there's really no there's no major responsibility. Um, so you know the more long winded version is that it's basically about the brotherhood. I mean, every day, day in, day out, the more you're with the king the more dedicated you show you are. And that's how it was for me. I mean, I never went home. I was on the run from my family. Literally, it might have been nine months to a year before I seen anybody in my family. I was literally with the king every day, going to the neighborhood, carrying guns, you know, involved in shootings, involved in fight, anything that furthered the Latin kings. I did. I mean, yeah, I sold drugs, but never on a large scale. Sold drugs, and I, I hung out in dope houses and sold dope. Um, but the, the means to the end for that was just to have money to party and hang around mm-hmm. with the king. Um, so that 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 right there is the job description. And the more 
you're around, the more instances you have to prove that you're dedicated and you're loyal. And that's kind of how I propelled myself was, you know, I always had a gun on me. I did my best to follow the rules. Okay. I caught a lot of violations, but they were for dumb stuff. You know what I mean? That I really was really out of my control. I mean, I used to catch violations, uh, you know, sometimes on a weekly basis because I wasn't going to school, right? Well, sure. I told you I was on the run. I couldn't go to school, right? So you try to explain that falls on deaf ears and you still catch a violation. So, I mean, just, you know, that's, that's what it is. The day-to-day operations is more about a lifestyle. It's not, it's not like a to-do list, you know, okay. you just live it. You know what I mean? All right. Okay. So I'm going to make a really dark turn here. What was the first time that you saw somebody actually die, like get shot or beat or stabbed or whatever it was? Okay. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I, mean, <laughs> I don't mean to, I don't mean to throw that no, on you like that, but. No, no, no. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's twofold, right? Do you want the first time that I actually seen it firsthand? Or the first time that it happened to me in my life. I mean, with, with regards to the Kings, because I had a member die. He was a wild walker. Man, these are one of the, it was actually one of them times where I was telling you it changes people, but I actually sure. had a member and he was, he was actually the Inca of, of wild walker, um, when I was around him. And, um, so that was the first time I experienced it, not firsthand. He actually, you know, he got into a car accident. It was an intentional car accident from MLD, which is the Maniac Latin Disciples. They ran into him, and I mean, this is this is the version that I heard, the story that I heard, and and they stabbed him, and he died from his wound. So that was the first time that it happened to me as a member, right? And and it mm. and it, it breaks you down because I was I was I liked the guy, like he was one of the he was one of the guys that I really really liked on, on Wild Walker. Um, <clears throat> so that was the first time that that actually you know was in the circle. Now as far as me physically seeing somebody shot. Well, the one that sticks out the most, I mean, there's, there's probably, you know, one before this, but the one that sticks out the most is, uh, my friend Black Hat got killed. Black Hat was, was, uh, <clears throat> he was actually the first full-blooded Black 19th Street Latin King. Um, so there was, there's a lot, there's a lot there, right? And, um, but he was a, he was a, he was one of the guys I was telling you about. He was a in the weed kind of guy. He was a shooter, definitely lived by the gun and he died by the, you know, I did shootings with him numerous times. And the night that happened, it was just, you know, a normal night. We're all partying, you know, we're at, we're at, uh, we were at this guy Sam's house. <clears throat> Everybody drinking and he just went to the corner store. Him and, him and, uh, him and Joey, they went to the corner store to get, uh, to get some, some blunt so we can smoke. And he ended up seeing a, a cobra there. And, and when he went around the back of the building, I guess the cobra went on the other side. They didn't, unbeknownst to them. And he shot at him from, you know, kind of down the block a little bit. And, you know, lucky, lucky hit, hit him right in the head. They, they came back and they told us, so Blackhead's dead. I didn't believe it. You know, I, I was just with the guy. I ran over there. I seen it. And I mean, I'm devastated. You know, yeah. He's still a friend. You know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't, I know, I know. It's, mm. it's, it's, and, I don't mean to take that as in a darker, serious way, but, I'm, I'm no, kind of, but, but that's, that's the reality of the life. You know, right. That's, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the part that they don't tell you about. You know? Right. And, and then I'm, uh, but I, I am, I do have a follow up to that, which isn't, which isn't as dark, <laughs> I promise. What is the protocol in that situation? Cause I'm guessing you're not calling the police. So. Right. Well, so in, in that, in those situations, obviously the police are going to come anyway. Right. I mean, sure. Um, and, and so 
something like that, you don't know. Like I, you know, obviously when I got there, he was already gone, right? Brother actually closed his eyes. If if he, there's a chance we're gonna call an ambulance for him, you know. Mm-hmm. So no matter no matter what happens, right? And obviously the police come along with him, but he was already gone. Um, it just so happened they ended up they somehow I don't know I don't even know how, but they ended up <clears throat> they ended up linking it back to the house we were at, and they came and they raided the house we were at, and you know they found a gun that Black Cat had on him. You know, Joey actually shot back at the guy, but he was long gone. So, you know, that's 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 kind of how that's kind of how that situation happened. In general terms, if somebody's hurt and they, you know, you need an ambulance, you got to call an ambulance. Okay. And so now, in this situation or a situation like this, is pretty much they come back. He says he's dead. Is retaliation being planned immediately? Yeah. Or is yeah. or yeah, that, is that's it? A, that's uh, you know, so. The thing is, is they came and got us, right? And they took us all downtown and, you know, they wanted to know who shot back. So, you know, Joey ended up getting charged with shooting back. <clears throat> so we couldn't get the full story because obviously at the time, right? I mean, he's, he's devastated. He's distraught. There's no way you can get details out of him, you know, mm-hmm. and then everything happened so fast. We all get locked up. So we didn't really know who it was at the time. We didn't know. We didn't have a clue. But yeah, once we started figuring out who it was, and obviously, yeah, now, you know, now it's, it's full war mode. We're shooting. It ended up being a Spanish Cobra. We're shooting and trying to kill any Spanish Cobra. The, the, the crazy part is it was actually, uh, the 20 year anniversary of it on the 4th of May. You know, actually down the road, I ended up, uh, I ended up seeing the guy who did it and I, I tried, I tried to kill him, but he got away. Yeah. Now I, now I don't know what to say after that. Uh. So that's, that's the kind of content you guys signed up for. <laughs> no, I know, I know, but, but, you know, like, we're, you, you've listened, you know, we, we kind of, we're sort of lighthearted about the way we treat things, but, you know, but for you, this is, for you, it's real, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, no, listen, but, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm in a better place, you know, so I understand, I understand the worth of, of this, of these kind of things, and I understand that they, the, the reasoning, you know, behind it, so, I got no problem being lighthearted. I mean, obviously something like that, you can't, you can't laugh that off, right? But, right, right. You know, yeah. uh, but you know, with, with regards to the lifestyle, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, uh, you know, I joke about it a lot, you know, just, just because, you know, I can joke about myself. I got no problem with it. I was a dumb kid. And then just a lot of stuff, you know, I think about a lot of the just little, the inner workings of, of how, how childish we were. We made things out to be so big when they weren't if that makes sure. sense um, sure. so yeah i got no problem with the uh with the, the lightheartedness of it you know and i hope the i hope the viewers can can see the transition in both so when we when we talk next time we're going to talk about when you um got more into the leadership position so maybe we can kind of like uh fade out what happened that the leadership positions opened okay so i actually i gained a lot of respect like i said early on and I ended up being really close friends with um, the Inca around the time um, that the position opened up. Uh, so there was a member that was a Kasinka, uh His name was Fro, and his leadership was in question because he wasn't as he wasn't always around. He was like going up north. Um, that's a whole nother, you know, a whole nother segment I can get off off onto. But he wasn't, you know, constantly in the hood, and he wasn't constantly available decision making and and so he kind of got stripped of his position by the inca and uh the inca at the time was 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 a guy named snuff uh and he was like one of my he was like one of mine and my brother's best friends he was always around me. and uh so at that time snuff was like well listen let's 
let's put up a, a vote. And basically what it is, is everybody just votes on a piece of paper and, you know, and whoever comes up with the most votes, it's a, it's a, it's an anonymous, you know, you don't know who's who and, uh, and whoever got the most votes, they, they gain a position. Um, obviously he could have did it differently. He could have just appointed me, but, but he didn't. And I ended up becoming a Tasinka at that time. So, uh, I was 15. So, uh, all wow. the, all the, all the guys, all the guys voted for me. I mean, I was humbled, obviously, you know, I'm younger than 90% of these guys, you know, and I took the position very seriously. Shortly after that, not too shortly, but shortly after that, Nuff ended up, um, <clears throat> he ended up getting locked up. So naturally, you know, I step up, I have to be the Inca. Now I'm 15, right? So I felt it was best and a lot of the members felt it was best. Let's re-vote, you know, let's re-vote, let's fill these positions, let's make sure we got the right guys that everybody wants up top. And um, I ended up still being voted as the Kasinka. Mandy ended up being the Inca. So I maintained that position. You know, it wasn't a it wasn't a fluke, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that's kind of how the that's kind of how that happened. Guy got okay. stripped, and then you know, and then after that, it was guy went to, guy got locked up, and, and you got to make a decision. Sure. One more question for you. I'm just really curious. When you look back at this time, do you have do you remember anything in like kind of miss that from your life now or do you when you look back at it now does it all seem like i should have never been involved with that eric you keep sounding like you're really jealous or something the way you ask <laughs> these questions no i'm just I kidding think, i think it's twofold man i think um i miss the relationships um that i had with the guys um you know i built a lot of strong bonds but i don't miss and i do am ashamed of the decisions that came after that um so you know like i like i said early on man you you can't replicate the feeling of people showing you respect like that you can't replicate the feeling of people showing you love that type of way literally willing to die for you right um but at the same time the things that we did the things that we were involved in are beyond shameful man you know i i i don't you know i'm not i'm not the kind of guy I'm going to, I'm going to stand up for the people that I love still to this day. You know, I'm not going to, I'm never going to run from nobody that's trying to harm people that I care about, but I'm not, I, I don't condone the type of, the type of senseless things that I was involved in, you know, so it, 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 it it's hard and it's, it's very, very true on both ends. Eric. Both ends are really, really um, strong feelings. Yeah. So yeah, we were, I don't think we're used to having quite such serious topics around here, uh, but Anyway, uh, yeah. Well, so. listen, man. listen. I can tell you about. I can tell you about how. How I mean, all the jokes. I mean, listen. Life, life wasn't like. Trust me, life wasn't all straight faces, man. We joked so much, man. And uh, I mean, we had so much fun. You know, what I mean, we had. Listen, we had a lot of fun, and that's the, that was a that was the distinction too between Wild Walker and One Nine. Is you know, a lot of the Wild Walkers were you know stone faced guys. Always wanted to be serious. One Nine was the joke squad, man. And I'm talking about pranks. I'm talking about we did it all, man. So I mean, I could I could touch on that at some point if you want me to, but trust me, it was not all gloom and doom. Okay. And do you think do you think it's possible to have the kind of relationship with another person that you had with some of these guys, or was it just the atmosphere that you were in, the fact that you were literally together all the time that that just can't be really re- be replaced. No, no, you know, I mean, I think I think I can because you you know, it, you know, like my personality and the way I was brought up, I, you can't just turn feelings off, right? Like I I am I'm 
organically I cling to people like that. You know, if I if if I consider you a friend, you know, I wholeheartedly consider you a friend. I you know, I I'd be willing to go to the to the utmost to to, to do whatever for you if you needed something from me. Um, so I still believe it's possible. Obviously, it's a little different because trust has been tarnished in my life, and uh, I think that uh, you know that's something obviously we're gonna have to touch on. Uh, you know about uh, you know how how loyalty changes and and so it's definitely the walls a little higher but i'm still yeah I, I still have faith that there's people that i may meet or or that you know maybe some i know now that i consider you know really really close friends all right so uh we we are out of time so we're gonna wrap it up but uh this has been the second part there's actually going to be two more parts yet so when we come back again we're going to pick it up where uh now Berta's in a, in a leadership role, and we're going to follow it until the indictment, the, the moment that this all kind of collapses. So uh, it'll probably be serious again because, uh, spoiler alert here, people do die. And I don't think I'm giving too much away to say that uh, at, at least one person was was killed by Berto himself. So uh, we, we will have to, uh, well, we will have to touch on that. It's unavoidable. So I'll be back in two weeks for that. Um, Berto, thank you so much for, for sharing this story and being so open and honest with us. It's really, it's a one of a kind look for sure. Yeah, no problem. And I, you know, like I, you know, I mentioned to you, man, I really hope that, uh, whatever somebody can get from this, you know, that, that they get it, uh, you know, with, with a genuine heart, you know, at this, with this kind of platform, if, if I can provide clarity, you know, perspective, um, if, if at the end of this, there's some sort of inspiration in it, whatever I can provide, man, I'm hoping that it, it, it comes across as genuine. And I think you've done a very good job of that up to this point. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap this episode up. We will be back next week with another Patreon episode and in two weeks with a regular episode. Uh, Gavin, hit them with any contact info. Sure. As usual, you can reach me at milwaukeemafia.com. Milwaukee Mafia at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook, um, probably other places I don't even know I'm on. If you want to reach Eric, reach Eric through me. <laughs> if you want to reach Berto, you could probably reach him through me too. You know, who, who knows? Maybe, maybe there's a question that you have that we've completely missed. So, uh, feel free to reach out. Um, Alberta, uh, thank you again. I mean, really, truly. I mean, I know you're the one that reached out to us, but. Uh, I can't thank you enough for this opportunity. So thank you for that. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We will be back in two weeks. Thanks for tuning in to the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. Join us next time for another look back at Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history.